Good Friday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller. Thank you for joining us today on the I Love Seville show. We are live in downtown Charlottesville, and a story from yesterday, which we broke on this um, network, um, has now penetrated as we uh, predicted the traditional and legacy media. 5.9 million plus closing costs to buy floodplain land off High Street on the banks of the Rivanna River, 23.81 acres, kiboshing, crushing, killing, 245 apartments which were um, in the pipe to be built. This is a story that is extremely dynamic. And if you're on social media right now, uh, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Nextdoor, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Instagram, LinkedIn, you will see reactions that are just completely different. And it's, the reaction is unique to the platform. You know, we're in the social media management, branding, advertising business. And that's what this brand behind us is. Check out directly behind me, you see VMV Brands. You can find this company online. It's an advertising agency. And VMV Brands manages the brands of clients. We drive um, brand awareness for businesses from New Jersey to North Carolina, up and down the eastern seaboard. And we help optimize their image, their brand, their perception, how they're seen and found on TV or radio or on social media or on the internet, direct mail, um, word of mouth, apps on phones. And as you, as you um, spend a lot of time in this business, and personally I have spent, which is crazy to say this, um, 21 years in branding and advertising, you start to realize that um, there's different habits for consumers and users. Habits can be times they wake up in the morning, times they go to sleep at night, what their favorite streaming platforms are, whether it's Amazon Prime or Netflix, or if they're still you know, getting TV through a cord plugged into the wall. Folks that use telephones at their house or cut telephones altogether and are strictly cell phone users. Habits. And you find with, with, with people, their habits stay consistent and can be predicted. And when you can start predicting people's habits what they do each day, when they do each day, what time they do it each day, how they do it each day, how much time they spend doing something each day. That's data that's extremely valuable. And that's data that can be leveraged for capitalistic monetization purposes. You find that some folks prefer certain apps over others. For example, Twitter. Charlottesville Twitter, Elon Musk has rebranded the platform to X. I still call it Twitter. Twitter in the Charlottesville community, the Charlottesville area, very much leans left in its ideology. And, and, and it's not even left, I would say activist left, very left, far left, socialist left. 
I don't want to use the word extreme, but it's so far from center and so beyond left that you utilize terminology like activists and socialists when you talk about the users of Twitter. And the response of this base in the Charlottesville area to this $5 million, excuse me, $6 million, when you include closing costs, $6 million transaction that council's going to vote upon on Monday, buying land on the banks of the Rivanna River to kill 245 apartments, basically a payday for wealthy folks, basically an opportunity for the city to create a park or extend a park at a time when we have a housing crisis. The response on Twitter has been nasty and, 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 and one of volatility and anger and the folks on Twitter are screaming how could you possibly do this Charlottesville we have a housing crisis these 245 apartments were were an opportunity to put roofs over people's heads were an opportunity to create supply at a time when supply is constrained and we need additional supply to 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 create price stability that's how Twitter's responding they're responding with 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 nastiness. They're tagging counselors. Michael Payne is very much in the crossfire right now on Twitter. He's being tagged by socialists and activists Charlottesville. Then you go to a different app, say Nextdoor, and Nextdoor leans more center or center right. Nextdoor, an a aggregation of homeowners. Nextdoor, perhaps more affluent with its user base, more centered or conservative with its user base. And the response on next door to city council killing 245 apartments on the banks of the Rivanna River has been overwhelmingly positive. <coughs> on next door, users are responding and jumping for joy, saying council's preserving the environment. They're prioritizing the Rivanna River. They're thinking forwardly by not building apartments in a floodplain. And they're giving props and kudos to Michael Payne and to Lloyd Snook and Brian Pinkston, Juan Diego Wade, and Leah Perrier. They're giving them a job well done salute on Nextdoor. Then you look at the most influential platform in the world, and, and, and I don't care, you know, Facebook is still the most powerful platform in the world. Is Facebook trending older? Yes. Are young millennials and Gen Zers, and even younger than young millennials and Gen Zers, are they leaving Facebook for TikTok, for Instagram, for Snapchat? Of course they are. We all know this. This is not anything you know, monumental. Facebook still has the largest user base of people. And if you wanted to focus on one app to drive brand awareness and customer growth and market share and incremental revenue, it's Facebook, because that's still where folks are. One of the genius moves Facebook did was utilize um, Facebook to log into passwords. You can click a Facebook, log into websites. You can click a Facebook um, button on many websites that require a login, and you can just log in through your Facebook account. It's genius by Zuckerberg. The response on Facebook, because it's trending older now, has been very reflective of Nextdoor. Many on Facebook are saluting or giving props to counsel for killing this deal. Instagram trends younger, so Instagram is, 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 is responding in, in, in dismay or, or, or anger to counsel. I wanted to lead with this because I think it's a, uh, almost a sociological study how 
not just Charlottesville users, but this is the I Love Seville show, so I try to keep it the Charlottesville area, how the habits of Charlottesville area social media users are reflected and depicted on a breaking news story like I Love Seville did yesterday. Twitter hates this news because they want housing. Twitter is saying we don't have a park crisis, we have a housing crisis. And shame on you, council, for potentially killing this deal. Instagram is a degree or two um, less volatile than the Twitter users, but still in that category of shame on you, council. Facebook and Nextdoor, LinkedIn as well, LinkedIn business owners, affluent homeowners, LinkedIn. They're responding favorably to this crushing of a 245-unit apartment complex. Why are homeowners responding favorably? Because they have a house. They're not looking for housing. They have permanent housing. And they're more concerned with infrastructure concerns, like traffic and, and, and people and water and the environment. LinkedIn, Facebook, Nextdoor responding the same way. Instagram, Twitter responding completely differently. And it depicts a scenario where city council is legitimately in a no-win situation. City council cannot win here. This is why it's so tough being an elected official. <coughs> council, if they vote on Monday, and everything I'm hearing, this is a slam dunk vote. Slam dunk vote where... Council's going to say, no, you can't. We don't want you to build here. We want to convert this into a park. We're going to give Wendell Wood, United Land Company, we're going to give Bo Carrington, Seven Development, a chunk of money so they leave us alone. They don't sue us. They give us the rights to own this property, and they essentially forget about these 23.81 acres forever. An interesting point was brought up to me by a developer that I trust. The unique aspect of the I Love Seville show is the program, and I, I made a reference to Howard Cosell earlier in the week. Howard Cosell, I mean, who's the 2023 version of Howard Cosell? Judah, why don't we welcome you on a two-shot if you have that ready. Viewers and listeners, let me ask you this question. Who is the 2023 version of Howard Cosell? You have that, per that uh, impersonation you can relay to the viewers and listeners for Howard Cosell? I don't know anyone who could possibly fill the role that you're talking about. There we go. That was, that was really good, Gia. Thank you. I like how you made the impersonation uh, uh, applicable to the commentary on the show. Who would you think is the 2023 version of Howard Cosell, a sports broadcaster that people loved love to hate, but always watched. Is the 2023 version of Howard Cosell, is it Joe Rogan? And you're talking about in a completely different role? It doesn't have to be TV. Gotcha. Possibly, I mean. Is it, is it I, <clears throat> I hesitate to even bring this man's name up. Is it Tucker Carlson? I'd be more likely to vote for Joe Rogan in that role. Um, 
Who, viewers and listeners, who's your vote for the 2023 version of Howard Cosell? Someone that you love or you love to hate, but you always watch and always know he's there. Globally, nationally, let's just use nationally. Is it Tucker Carlson? Is it Joe Rogan? I'd say Joe Rogan is probably closer to fitting the bill. I mean, there are a lot of people that definitely know of and probably a lot that hate Tucker Carlson, but uh, I would think that he's less, uh, less well-known than Joe Rogan across, across a variety of spectrums. You're of talking people. age spectrums here. I'm talking about age spectrums, uh, political spectrums, uh, spectrums of people that you know, like sports or don't like sports or, you know, watch all kinds of different media. I think uh, there are probably more people that could tell you at least something about Joe Rogan than there are people that could tell you something about Tucker. All right. Let's let's go with Judah's take here just for the sake of keeping the uh, show moving. We'll utilize Joe... Um, Joe Rogan, uh, for the sake of keeping the show, my phone is blowing up right here. Um, Rogan is someone that you either love or you hate, but you watch, you listen, and you know he's there. He's transcended many media, media mediums. He's a comedian. He's a UFC commentator. He has the most popular podcast out there, mm-hmm. most popular podcast in the country, and maybe the most popular podcast in the, uh, in the world. He is someone that you know is there. The interesting thing about the I Love Seville show and what we're doing, folks either love what we do, folks either hate what we do, but the community is very well aware and listens to what we do. We told you a story yesterday about city council buying land or potentially buying land as early as Monday or approving the purchase of a land as early as Monday was going to be across all news cycles and we gave you commentary and now it's gone viral across the community. You love it, you hate it, but you watch it. And one of the uh, folks that was listening yesterday, he asked me not to utilize his name, but he's a very prominent developer that does projects in Colin Cowherd, Kevin Yancey suggests, Paul Finnenbaum, Kevin Yancey suggests, Joe Rogan, Vanessa Parkhill says, has come a long way from Fear Factor. She also suggests, suggests Stephen A. Smith, Bill McChesney, Kirk Herbstreet. <clears throat> a developer that listens to the program, prominent developer, I'm talking... I'm trying to give, a, give a, a ranking without blowing the man's spot up, doxing the man. I'll call it top... top six developer in central Virginia. From a production standpoint, he reached out to me yesterday 
And he said, this is something that you should highlight on Friday's I Love Seville show. And he said, if you want to go on a one shot, I'll come back to you on a two. He said, remember, Jerry, Charlottesville City already denied this project on High Street. He said, Planning Commission crushed it. Charlottesville City crushed it. The final result of what was happening with this project was the principals involved, Seven Development, Bo Carrington, and an extremely talented, resourceful, and educated attorney in Valerie Long, were going to sue the city as a final push or last step to get this project on track and make it a reality. I want you, and, and Valerie has been on this network before. Valerie Long is a baller. I hope somebody says, let's Valerie know we're giving her some props here. She's an attorney with Williams Mullen, Valerie Long. I would not want to go toe-to-toe with Valerie Long. If you're the city attorney and your opposition is Valerie Long of Williams Mullen, you're thinking once, you're thinking twice, you're thinking three times about any other path than going toe-to-toe with Miss Long. So this is what the developer brings to my attention. Charlottesville City was about to get sued. And the lawsuit that was going to get brought against the city was going to be one that had significant ammunition. And it was going to be one that was going to be brought by an attorney that maybe knows this topic better than... I'm not trying to throw shade what Charlottesville was going to offer from a council standpoint. So this developer says to me, he said, Jerry, did you consider this and please pass this on to your viewers and listeners? Maybe the city realized it was going to lose this lawsuit or could lose this lawsuit. And if it lost this lawsuit to Mr. Carrington, to Seven Development, to Valerie Long, indirectly to Wendell Wood, to United Land Company and his subsidiaries, then the egg on the city's face would be much worse than just giving them a bag of money and telling them to go away. The developer explained, think about it. If they lose the lawsuit to Valerie Long, to Mr. Carrington, got an elected calling me here. If they lose the lawsuit to Mr. Carrington, Mr. Wood, and Ms. Long, not only would they lose tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in manpower, resources, and time to go through this lawsuit, but they would lose the battle of perception, the battle of equity and goodwill with taxpayers and, 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 and people that live in the community, 
And then the outcome could be this project anyway, and it's a project that did not have any affordable housing associated with it. So perhaps the city is weighing these scales of justice. Do we legitimately want to go toe-to-toe with Ms. Long, knowing we could lose, and if we do lose, it's going to take our staff buku hours, buku resources, and significant money and if we lose, the project's going to happen anyway, then the city's going to look terrible. It's going to set a precedent for other developers and other attorneys to litigate. And the outcome is going to piss off half of the city anyway. I thought about that and I said, that sounds like hedging risk. Maybe the city just chose to give Mr. Wood, Mr. Carrington, a big bag of money because the alternative option, a lawsuit, had significantly more collateral damage. That collateral damage includes losing face within the community, setting a precedent with other developers and attorneys to sue to get projects forward, and a political backlash that would be perhaps more significant than the political backlash that's being faced today. Because today the political backlash is somewhat divided, if not more skewed in favor of uh, terminating the project. I think if you read the temperature of Charlottesville City, of Almaro County, Almaro County in Central Virginia, their temperature is a part of this. If you read the temperature, the majority of the folks prefer this project not move forward. Small portion a smaller portion, I should say, want the project to be active because it creates housing and a time of a housing crisis. So maybe the city said, look, we could lose this lawsuit. The temperature as we're reading it right now is the majority of folks don't want the project to go online. Why don't we just kibosh the project with a vote, give them this bag of money so they stay happy and they don't choose to move the project forward. This bag of money is a huge chunk We can do a lot of stuff with $6 million, but the alternative is spending hundreds of, hundreds of, no, call it thousands of man hours, the salaries that associated with thousands of man hours, and then perhaps even more importantly, the backlash of losing a case, losing a suit in very public fashion, and the political collateral damage that would be birthed because of the loss of that suit. And I thought about that, since I talked to him and today, and I thought that was pretty good perspective. And it also shows you how difficult a position city council is in. It's a lose-lose position. Council could make the right decision here and prioritize not building housing in a floodplain and still lose. And here's what I mean by that. You don't build housing in a floodplain because you're concerned about the environment and you're concerned about the dangers of 245 apartments in an area that historically has flooding issues. You make the decision not to do it, but you still lose because we're in a housing crisis. You still lose because you're setting a precedent with other folks in the community showing the power of the populace to kill development deals, 
So that's the second way you lose. The first way you lose is 245 units during a housing crisis not coming to market. The second way is, this is basically showing everyone in Charlottesville, maybe Albemarle County, maybe Central Virginia, that if the populace rallies, strategizes, organizes, and galvanizes, that they could crush development, especially when this just happened at phase three dairy market. So that's another way you lose. You also lose because you're taking 245 uh, apartments potentially off tax rolls moving forward. You're buying this land, which takes it off the tax rolls. You're creating a park, which is going to cost money to maintain. You're passing the burden onto citizens and rooftops. Many people in the community are saying, Jesus, $6 million, that could have gone to teachers or school bus drivers or improving sidewalks. Why is it going to two companies that are already fairly wealthy? I mean, Wendell Woods is the largest landowner in Almar County. I would imagine Mr. Carrington's doing quite well himself as well, as well. So look at all the various ways council is losing here. They're losing with perception from a minority portion of the population. And by minority, I mean a smaller portion who want it to come online versus a larger portion that want it offline. They're losing by taking apartments potentially off tax rolls. They're losing because they're creating overhead for a park. They're losing because they were collecting taxes from Wendell Wood on basically 24 acres. Now they're not. They're losing because they're kicking these guys $6 million. It just shows you how difficult politics is, especially at the local level. So I want to ask you, who, who are the winners here? Are there any winners here? I think the answer is clearly they're winners here. Carlos Franco says Valerie is the best. Valerie is fantastic. Carlos, make sure you tell Valerie. Um, Olivia Branch says Valerie is the best as well. So we have two evangelists for Valerie Long on the show right here. Olivia Branch from Keswick, the Queen of Keswick, and Carlos Franco. Olivia and Carlos, make sure you let Valerie know we're giving her some props on the show. Please, please. Deep Throat, I'm going to get to your comments here. I was really hoping you would give a comment here in a matter of moments, Deep Throat. I'm going to get to uh, the comments on LinkedIn here. Um, John Blair, I'm going to get to your John Blair's given Valerie Long uh, some comments as well. In fact, I'll read John Blair's comment. He says, I won't comment on the substance of the dispute. However, Valerie, Valerie Wagner Long is known as a straight shooter in land use and real estate law circles. She's not someone who just files an action to file an action. She's as sharp of an attorney as I've ever dealt with in this space. That's from John Blair, who is very seasoned and savvy in this space. Basically, this comment's like, look, dude, if, he's fi- if, if Ms. Long is filing something, she knows she's got a really good shot of winning. The city also realizes it had a pretty good shot of losing here. That's why it's probably given this bag of money to keep this lawsuit from even effing happening. And it's got to overpay a little bit to wet the whistle of Wood and Carrington so they're not like, oh, let's just move forward with the lawsuit. It's got to be a sweet enough deal. The chips in the center of the table have to be robust and deep enough and wealthy and expensive enough that Wood and Carrington are like, yeah, I'll take that money. I don't need to go forward with this lawsuit. That's what happened. 
So who are the winners here? Obviously, Wood and Carrington are winners here, especially Wood. Wood basically got 24 acres in a floodplain that arguably would have been extremely difficult to develop. I mean, 24 acres in a floodplain would have been a nightmare to develop. Costly, expensive, time-consuming. He got millions of dollars for this land. Millions of dollars. Carrington, I don't think Carrington was a pawn here in a game of chess played by Wendell Wood. Carrington's obviously getting a, a payday. To what extent, we don't know. We may not ever know the extent of the $5.9 million. How much of that is going to seven development to Mr. Carrington? We may not know that answer. I do not think Carrington was a pawn in Wendell Wood's game of chess. A guy that was... I don't know. I don't want to use the word used. I don't want to use the word played. In, how, about I, how about I phrase it this way? Included in the deal to further a hand, included in the deal to showcase stronger leverage, a developer that was willing to take this project to market and spend the money an established and seasoned developer with a credible reputation to bring this project to market. He's going to get a payday. He's a winner. I think Valerie Long's a winner here. Her reputation's going to get propped up and pedestaled, no doubt about it, because from my standpoint, the city just backed down to her. I think she's a winner here. I think the group, the nonprofit, the neighborhood that, um, what's the name of that darn nonprofit? The neighborhood group that came together to try to kill this deal. Uh, it was like no floodplain buildings. <laughs> they had a very like uh, direct name for this project. I think it was like no floodplain buildings. That group is, is one. The neighborhoods around High Street, they have no doubt won. All those side streets off High that are single-family detached homes, they were vehemently opposed to this. They won. Environmentalists won here. The Rivanna River Foundation and the, the folks that support the Rivanna River, they won. Big time they won. People like Parks and Green Space, they won. Who are the losers? You can make a legitimate argument the city's a loser here. The city is going to have to maintain this property. The city's got egg on its face. Council's going to have egg on its face. But you want to hear something? And this is going to be really difficult for you guys to swallow. This is going to be really difficult for everyone watching this show to swallow. Carlos, thank you for letting Valerie know I'm giving her props. This is going to be very difficult for you guys to swallow. Judah, this is going to be no, it doesn't impact you as much. It impacts me. You know who the real losers are here? The real losers aren't necessarily council, although they got egg on their face, big time. Real losers aren't necessarily the city, although they got even more egg on their face. City manager is looking like 
he 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 uh, listen this isn't a great situation for the city manager right now and he's just coming off a bad situation with the tent town on market street now here are the real losers and this is tough for me to say It's Charlottesville City homeowners and business owners, property owners, and folks that do shopping in Charlottesville City. And you're like, Jerry, come on now. How are Charlottesville City homeowners and, and property owners and people that do shopping and whining and dining and retail purchasing and going to music venues and music concerts in the city. How are they the losers, Jerry? Well, look what just happened. Wendell Wood was paying taxes every year on dirt next to a river that may or may not have been able to be developed. Those taxes are off the rolls now. The city took $6 million of your money, $6 million of my money, $6 million of all our money, and they bought dirt that may or not been able to have been developed. And they took that dirt and they converted it into a park, which is going to cost money to maintain. And they took Wendell's money that he was paying every year for dirt that was flooding or potentially could flood, and they said, we don't want that money that you've been giving, giving to us for years, Mr. Wood. We're now going to take that money off the rolls and we're going to buy that property and take $6 million out of our coffers and, and give it to you. And we're going to say no to your tax money every year. And we're going to put another line item in the budget to maintain this park that we just created. And we're going to not allow 245 apartments to come to market. 245 apartments that we can tax and collect revenue year after year after year after year on. And what we're going to do instead is we're just going to pass this additional overhead and this additional lost revenue onto the shoulders and burden homeowners and property owners and business owners with even more taxes moving forward. Because that's going to happen. That's going to happen. They took $6 million, $6 million that could have gone to school bus drivers, sidewalks, teachers, $6 million that could have gone to nonprofits, improved bicycle lanes, $6 million that could have been allocated to the police department. And they said, we're going to give it to rich dudes instead. And then we're going to give this $6 million to rich dudes and then take their crappy land and have to maintain it forever moving forward. And then we're going to keep these 245 apartments that we could tax and make a lot of money on year after year after year. Now, nah, we don't want that revenue. We're just going to say, hey, Johnny Homeowner and Susie Renner and Johnny, the... Uh, the the Riverside uh, Burger Enjoyer, the Maya Restaurant Steak Eater, or the, the, the Red Hot and Blues Continental Divide Enjoyer, you're just going to get taxed a little bit more for those purchases. 
That's who the real losers are. You and me. Or more specifically, our wallets. I'm holding my wallet up for those that are just streaming in their car and not watching the video. I got my wallet in my hand. Hey, wallet. Mr. Wallet? Wally the wallet. Wally, you're, you're going to pay more money next year to government because we made muddy dirt and swampy dirt a park. You hear that, Wally? There you go. Politics in Charlottesville, Virginia, ladies and Politics in Charlottesville, Virginia. If you're the city and you know this 24 acres that you just purchased has a legitimate shot at flooding, you're probably going to have to spend thousands, maybe tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars to create um, retaining walls, barrier walls, flood protection walls to keep that flooding from happening. Because if you're the city and you own this land now and you allow your dirt to flood and it creates damages to all those businesses in those homes, Charlottesville Glass and Mirror, Blue Ridge T-shirt shop, Blue Ridge graphics, Jack and Jill's, La Michoacana, Cosner Brothers, Charlottesville Wrecker. If those businesses can say, man, the city owned this land here, 24 acres, and they, they knew that 24 acres was prone to flooding, and a flood happened, and my businesses and my buildings got destroyed because they didn't protect that land or set it up the right way. They didn't do no retaining walls and barrier walls to keep that water from going through their 24 acres and coming to mine. They're liable. We're going to sue. Let's go to Deep Throat. Deep Throat says this. The city may indeed fear litigation, but that doesn't change the fact that, A, they could have made this practically unwise to build on land legally impossible to build on by having passed a sensible floodplain ordinance the way the county did, and B, they could have shifted some of the cost of acquisition onto the feds and commonwealth by doing something creative with a conservation easement. He's exactly right. Um, deep throat thinking about this like a New York finance financier is exactly right. Lonnie Murray on yesterday's show made this exact point. Lonnie, I really respected the point you made yesterday. This comment, I think, was um, something that we should highlight on the show. John made this comment yesterday, Mr. Blair. I thought he did a really good... John, John's a voice of reason. I like John. 
His son's been doing great things in flag football, Mr. Blair's son. Taking pick sixes, getting an interception and taking it to the house, a pick six. Very impressed. He made this comment. He said if you take the money that Wendell got from the land sale to Albemarle County for Rivanna Station, a $58 million deal in northern Albemarle, right on the Greene County line to keep the spies, I mean, I call them the spies, the government contractors, all those folks that work in the area that can't tell you really what they're doing because they have government clearance and it's got to be on the hush-hush on the QT. He said if you take the money from Rivanna Station where Wendell Wood sold land, not even like super sweet land, just land adjacent to a spy area, to a government contractors and spy stations. He got $58 million on that deal, Mr. Wood did. And he got $5.9 million minus whatever Mr. Carrington's getting paid. No idea what Mr. Carrington's getting paid. I, I, why don't we just, for the sake of conversation, call it... <coughs> I doubt Wendell does many 50-50 deals. So why don't we say $5.9 million, and why don't I say 60% of it goes to Mr. Wood? 40% goes to Mr. Carrington. Still a nice payday for Mr. Carrington. 40% of $5.9 million for Mr. Carrington is $2,360,000. $2,360,000. Drinks are on bow at the bar. Hey, when I see you, Mr. Carrington... Please buy me a Minuteman IPA or a Ragged Branch uh, Double Bourbon Neat. Please, sir. He's younger than me. I actually covered him when I was working for the Daily Progress as a sports writer while a student at UVA. He was a standout lacrosse player at the Covenant School, like a rock star lacrosse player. Played lacrosse at Duke. Fantastic quote for a sports writer. I think our age gap is like a couple years. Let's say 5.9 $5. million. Mr. Wood gets 60% of that. That's 3,540,000. He got 58 million from Almoral County for land in the northern part of the county that was inconsequential land, basically, like not prime land by any means. That means Mr. Wood in two deals, Wendell Wood in two deals within the last six months, one with Almoral, one with Charlottesville. He's got $61,540,000 negotiating with the government. $61,540,000. John put this in perspective yesterday. Waynesboro, the city of Waynesboro. I'm reading from John's comment on LinkedIn. The city of Waynesboro's entire general fund budget for fiscal year 2023 was $57 million. He says, Charlottesville and Albemarle County literally just paid Wendell Wood more money in one year than the entire city of Waynesboro budget. <coughs> you hear that, Judah? Yep. He also left this comment yesterday. This is a fantastic comment. Let's weave Judah in on a two-shot. Viewers and listeners, I'll get to your comments on the show here. If you have any comments, put them in the feed. I'm going to relay them live on here in a matter of moments. Here's a comment he left yesterday. 
Jerry, here's what I cannot understand about this decision. He's talking about Zero East High Street on the banks of the Ravana River, the 245 apartments they killed. And then he also mentions Dairy Market. Because remember, yesterday I talked about Dairy Market, Chris Henry's Phase 3 project. Housing activists in August of this year killed a 400-unit apartment project. Killed may be a strong word. Stalled is a better verb to use. They've stalled to the point that it's on ice right now. 400 apartments Chris Henry was trying to build in phase three of Dairy Market, apartments that would not have displaced one single person. Yeah. Apartments that were going to be built on asphalt parking lots and in place of buildings that are crumbling apart. Apartments that were going to be built on a bicycle lane within walking distance of UVA, within walking distance of UVA Hospital, within walking distance of the downtown mall. Apartments that were on a bus route. Mm -hmm. Apartments on property that he already owned. Yeah. Apartments that with the zoning ordinance in August, had it stayed the same in August, he would have just had the approval of upzoning to do. Now it's been changed because Planning Commission and the City of Charlottesville and City Council now have what they call sensitive areas in the city. And these sensitive areas are cherry-picked locations within city limits where development is not encouraged or discouraged because they're tied to financially or racially margined communities or adjacent to financially margin or racially margin communities. Does that make sense? Uh, Not the encouraged or discouraged part. These sensitive areas in this draft zoning ordinance are areas that over the last few months, commission and council have identified and said, these spots, these areas in the city, which is only 10.2 square miles, ain't that big. We, 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 we don't want development to happen at the same clip here because we're scared it's going to lead to massive gentrification. We, we don't want it in these sensitive areas. So they're discouraging it. Discouraging. Yes, okay. sir. I think you, it sounded like you said they're not encouraging or discouraging. Discouraging. Okay. Got it. In the last handful of months, J-Dubs, we watched a 400-unit apartment complex on Preston Avenue that was going to replace an asphalt parking lot and crumbling buildings and not displace a single person, get put on ice. And then we watched a 245-unit apartment complex on High Street on Monday. It's about to get bazookaed, eviscerated, evaporated, In the last August, September, October, November, in the last 95 days, we've seen 645 apartments potentially taken offline in the city of Charlottesville. 645 apartments. Let's utilize the number 1.75 people per apartment. 1.75. And let's times it by 645. That's housing for 1,129 people in the last 90 days that just got eviscerated, 
evaporated bazooka. JB makes this comment. Here's what I can't understand about this decision as well as dairy market. When you read the Charlottesville Comprehensive Plan, the city desires one specific type of development above all else. Dense, multifamily developments on bike, bicycle, pedestrian, and mass transit corridors. Dairy Market and Zero East High Street, these two projects would be the holy grail of development per the comprehensive plan. The High Street Corridor is the most underdeveloped urban corridor in Virginia, west of Richmond. It's got so much bike, pedestrian, density potential right next to downtown Charlottesville. In so many ways, an environmentalist would celebrate this potential development in terms of potential emissions reductions. This decision isn't going to just affect the acquired parcel. It's going to help scotch others thinking of developing, activating that quarter with residential products, projects. I'll take it a step further. I'm going to take it a step further. He references, and that's a damn good comment, John. He references this decision, this vote on Monday, is going to keep others from developing and activating in that quarter. Developers are doing projects. I'll take it a step further. In the last 90 days, we've seen two local developers that live in our communities, <coughs> Chris Henry and Bo Carrington, roughly the same age, folks that you'll see at grocery stores or at schools or at restaurants or around town. I mean, Chris Henry had the cojones to go to a community meeting at a church to talk about his 400-apartment unit project, only to sit there and get cross-fired. What is it when, when back in the olden days where they would line up people in front of a wall and then people would shoot them? What's that called? It's called the firing squad. He went in front of the proverbial firing squad, Mr. Henry did, at a church that he owns and got ripped and pelted and pummeled and crushed by housing activists for an hour or for a couple hours. Out-of-market developers don't do that. In-market developers do that because they care about their reputation and know they're going to be doing business here for a long time. You got two local guys, relatively the same age, within 90 days, who had projects and hundreds of thousands of dollars of plans and time, lawyer fees, engineering fees, architect fees. And these two projects were cut down. Eviscerated, evaporated, pummeled, bazookaed, crushed. Who would go through this again? Why would they go through this again? Why would a local developer do this again? I, I mean... Keith no, Woodard walked away hmm. from millions of dollars of underground infrastructure on Water Street. Yeah. 
where he was trying to build a home for the city market and build apartments on Water Street. Oliver Kutner was trying to build micro apartments off the downtown mall. Oliver Kutner said, F this, I'm going to Lynchburg. Yeah, there are other developers too who have just given up. Throw in the towel, shutter the business. Sarah Hill Buchensky, that's exactly what I was thinking. Sarah Hill Buchensky, this is a great comment for this, from Sarah Hill Buchensky. Are you ready for this comment? SHB, you're, you're getting into the Hall of Fame of commenters. Like, when you leave comments, SHB, I, start, I, I look forward to reading them. SHB says this. Housing activists as NIMBYs is an interesting intersection. I'll take it a step further, SHB. It's not just housing activists. Activists moonlighting as NIMBYs. That's what we have happening right here. We have activists moonlighting as not in my backyards. You would traditionally think the NIMBYs would be the centered or conservative folks. But on these two projects, the NIMBYs have been the activists. Mm-hmm. What a dynamic. <clears throat> what a dynamic. Right? Bill McChesney says, Cosner Brothers has been flooded multiple times. <clears throat> if I'm the owner of Cosner Brothers or any of the buildings or properties or businesses next to this 24-acre park the city is about to acquire, I would attribute any flooding potentially to negligence or poor upkeep from the city and its park. If I'm the Costner family, and I can make a direct correlation to the city owning this land, and the city not putting the right protection, retaining walls, barrier walls, to keep flooding to going into my business, that seems like liable. Sarah Hill Buchensky says it's, it's like that H word again. The activists being the NIMBYs. What H word is she referencing there, J-Dumps? I don't know. It ends with Chrissy. Ends with Chrissy? Hypocrisy? Okay. Activists as NIMBYs. It's like the Venn diagram. Yeah. Well, two things you don't expect to meet in the middle of a Venn diagram. We want housing. But we don't want housing right here. And we don't want housing over there. But we want it to go on that place. We want housing. J. 
just not down by the river. Just not next to 10th and Page. But can you please put it in North Downtown? Or Belmont? Or Rugby Road? Or Fry Springs? I'll let you determine what that's about. <clears throat> All right. Anything else I got to get out of the notebook today? Anything you want to get out of the notebook? Oh, we forgot to talk about this. We're on a one shot? Yeah. Um, Chris Seaman, we've been covering this. You know who Chris Seaman is? Yeah. He's the uh, lawyer and teacher and former campaign manager of the, uh, the Allison Spillman campaign. Yeah. And also the creator of a website. Judah Wickhauer. Props to Judah Wickhauer. Remember when we broke the news about Chris Seaman and the fake website? Yep. We let everyone in the community know on the I Love Seville network that a campaign manager, whether active or former, Tomato, tomato, potato, potato. Bought the URL or the domain name for Mag Scalia Bryce. And he put up a website, either he or someone associated with him. And this website was slinging some mud about Dr. Bryce. He made a mistake. Whether he built it or somebody associated with him built it. They put, the name is Chris Seaman. So it didn't take a rocket scientist. I mean, pretty easy to figure this out, right? Yeah. Wouldn't you say that's pretty easy? When the author's name is listed on the website. <laughs> It's kind of hard to uh, argue that you don't know what's going on. Chris made the author of the website Chris Seaman. No, we don't know that he did. Or some, someone associated with him. Yeah. They bought a URL tied to their opponent. Mm -hmm. Their opponent's actual name put mud on it, Try to hide it as not being tied to them, but made a is it even a faux pas? I wouldn't call it a faux pas, just a critical error. <laughs> Thank you. A critical error in making the author name his actual real life name. Yeah. As soon as the I Love Seville Network and the I Love Seville show talked about this, the website came down. The website came down. And it got put behind a WordPress login and password page. Now, Meg Scalia Bryce directly links 
And you can check it out for yourself, J-Dubs. Mag Scalia Bryce. Wow, they've got loading issues here. Directly links. You got the page loaded? What's it load to? APPL. Which is what? Albemarle Parents Promoting Learning. Which is what? Inc. Uh, which is what? Which is what? Uh, it's a group that's... Uh... It's a political action committee. A political mm -hmm. action committee that Mr. Seaman controls... A political action committee funded in large part by kingmaker Sonia Smith. The Apple PAC has raised per VPAP in the last filing deadline $21,750 with, oh, excuse me, I, I take that back. Sonia Smith has donated 15000 to the Apple PAC, and the Apple PAC has raised $21,831 since launching earlier this year. $21,831 in totality the Apple PAC has raised since launching earlier this year. Of that $21,831, 15000 came from Sonia Smith. Sonia Smith also gave $70,000, the Democratic kingmaker, to Allison Spillman. The Apple PAC then takes the $21,831, Judah, and they chop it up into two donations to Spillman, one to the tune of $10,352 and the other to the tune of $11,398. This is all public record on VPAP. For a grand total of $21,750. You can find my analysis on this on ilovesevil.com. The, the traffic on ilovesevil.com is exploded, ladies and gentlemen. It's exploded. So you got a law professor who bought a URL for a candidate that he was campaigning against as either the active or inactive campaign manager for the opposition. He put a lot of mud on the website and he wanted to keep it on the down low, on the QT, on the DL. But he screwed up, or someone screwed up who built it, and they put the author as the law professor, the active or inactive campaign manager. Once we brought attention to it, the website came down. Now the website's linking directly to the PAC, Political Action Committee. The law professor is running. Politics, man. Politics, politics, politics. 2023. The election is Tuesday. This is bananas. 
we launched a new show yesterday called The Kyle Miller Show. It was awesome. I believe you have some sound from The Kyle Miller Show. Featuring TJ Fadeley. Mr. Fadeley is running against incumbent B. Lapisto Kirtley. Mr. Fadeley was fantastic on the show. His platform I very much identify with. He's catching some heat right now for a mailer he sent out. The mailer has, he sent out of his... Did you see the mailer? Yeah. Do we have a photo of the mailer? Mm, I don't think we do. Look well, I'll, I'll, let, me, let me see if I can describe it. This is just politics here. The mailer he sent out depicted B. Lapisto Kirtley, the incumbent, one of six people on the Albemarle County Board of Supervisors, one of six people managing a 500-plus yearly budget, 500-million yearly budget as a gypsy. Wasn't, wasn't she a gypsy, Judah? Yeah, she looked like, uh, I don't know, a gypsy or a, uh, a fortune teller. <clears throat> She's dressed as a gypsy with a handkerchief around her head, a blue hanky, tied in a nice little knot under her chin. She's got dice. I guess the plural of dice is die. Is that right? Uh, no, die is the singular. Dice is the plural. Oh, dice is the plural. Thank you. Yeah. She's got her hands out like this. Let's see if I can take a picture off the video. Got her hands out like this. Got four dice that she's thrown on a table and a, 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 a stack of gold coins in front of her. And it says, when B plays with your money. That story, uh, you can take a picture and put that on there? Yeah. <laughs> that story has garnered Mr. Fatally a lot of attention at a time when he needed to garner attention. Politics. Politics. He is the challenger in a district that leans left. So he had to rock the boat in the bottom of the ninth inning. Politics. Let us know if you have that photo on screen. All right, here it is. Oh, it's on screen? Yep. Wow, good job. Nicely done, Jude. Got it on screen? And Sarah Hill Buchensky, you're exactly right. Look at the screen. Look at the screen. Is it still on there? Is, is there a little bit of humor here? <laughs> Definitely some humor there. <laughs> that's, 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 you're the reasonable one. <laughs> that's, that's B. Lapisto currently dressed as a gypsy with four dice coming out of her hands on a card table with a stack of gold coins in front of her. 
with the words saying six words when B plays with your money. Yep. Well, how 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 do we what what do we say about that? I mean, uh, it's it's a clear it's a clear parody, uh, definitely satire. Um, I don't know. I'm just going to chalk it up to politics. Yeah. And you know, go ahead. It's garnered him a lot of attention. I mean, do we see any connection between the... Uh, I was going to let the viewers and listeners make that decision between Meg Scalia Bryce. And, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, com. do we <laughs> do we call out one and not the other? Um, I, I, know that, uh, I know that this was... <clears throat> this was meant as an attention grabber, I think, and not I think, as a specific uh, as a specific uh, call out to uh, to her. I, th- I think the mengscaliabrice.com in the grand scheme of all these things, is considerably more nefarious and sketchy, and and. <clears throat> Yeah, it concerning. Seems, it and seems here, to come from a from a place of hatred and and anger and uh, where Mr. Fatalis is coming out at Halloween, and the most important element of these two tactics is this: Mr. Fatally, from the jump, from the get go, identified himself as the creator and as the uh, person behind this flyer. Yeah, he's not trying to hide. He was not, not trying, trying to, to hide. He's not trying to throw mud from, uh, you know, from, you know, and pretend like somebody else is throwing it. That's right. That's why I don't think <coughs> they're comparable. <coughs> Excuse yeah. me. I didn't think they were either, but uh, I, I felt it was, uh, I felt it was good to bring it up. I mean, we talk about a lot of things, and sometimes. Uh, oh, it's, I think it's fair to bring it up. Sometimes there are areas or. Sometimes there are things that seem very much connected or similar, and uh, it's not always the case. I, I think it's Carol Thorpe says, looks pretty accurate to me. The only thing missing is the other five supervisors. <laughs> Could you see? She's saying he didn't go far enough. Could you see Mr. Mr. Galloway? What, what, is, what is the male version? Is, there, is the male version of a gypsy also a gypsy? Yeah. Is is uh, gypsy a unisex word? Yeah. I mean it talks about it. it's a group of people. It's not necessarily uh, uh you can like you could say a gypsy woman, but well, there's a song gypsy woman. It's spe- specifically a woman who's a gypsy whereas most gypsies are It's like <laughs> she wakes up early every morning just to do her hair now because she cares y'all. Her day-o wouldn't be right without her makeup. She's never out of her makeup. She's just like you and me, but she's homeless, she's homeless, and she stands there singing for money. You try, oh, not to care about the homeless, but you got your own mess. You barely make enough for you. Well, she's all right. Could you apologize? And then I spotted these. As she stands there singing for money, she's a gypsy woman. The election is Tuesday, one of my favorite days of the year. I've made parallels to the Super Bowl with the election. 
I am very excited for Tuesday. Every vote matters. Do you have the TJ Fatally sound? How long is it? A minute and a half. This is TJ Fatally on the Kyle Miller Show, which is going to air every Thursday at 2.15 p.m. on the I Love Seville Network. And on that note, we are on the cusp of introducing a new show to the network as well. An additional show. The network is booming. All right, let's hear from TJ Fatally, guys. Three, two, one. That You know, my campaign is, is all about pushing for reasonable tax and spend policies, um, meaningful, transparent representation back to the Board of Supervisors. You know, I'm not a politician. I'm a uh, citizen legislator, I think, is the best one I've heard. And you're um, not making any money doing this. No. It, it's a lot of time, and you're doing this because you care. And that's the case. I'm doing it because... You know, my older brother, which I give a lot of, a lot of props to, man, because he, he is one of the people who've helped make me the man I am. And as I was complaining about this and, you know, bringing up points, he said, man, stop complaining about it. Go do something about it. You know, between him, my father, which, again, is one of my best friends, said, hey, man, I'm all behind you. You need to go do this because it will be beneficial. If you look at my campaign contributions, I think there's, uh, oh, man, 70, 80 different small donors compared to my opponent who's just got a lot of lump sums from you know multiple organizations around town so if you look at my contributions i mean it is for the people by the people backing me up right you know? average people love my message they want their money back they want the county to be better stewards of their tax dollars they want to see the extravagant spending that we don't really see any benefit being controlled instead of just rain you know rubber stamped which they they seem to hate that when I say rubber stamping the county executive's agenda mm-hmm. or whatever he's multiple. proposing to that. You know, my campaign is, is... Multiple people are saying on the feed to Jerry and Judah, um, Georgia Gilbert, for example, the TJ Fatally flyer was creative and much more tasteful than most of the other flyers and ads that we are receiving. Um, on Twitter, uh, Fotini says... The Albemarle Parents Promoting Learning Pack is also the organization that is sending out berating and deceitful mailers about Dr. Bryce. Hmm. Hello, Dan Pettit. Vanessa Parkhill says, well done, TJ, fatally. Which of the two races do you think will be the closest? We'll obviously talk about this on Monday and Tuesday. But which of the two races do you think will be the uh, closest? Which of, which of the races on Tuesday do you think will be the closest? You've got a state senate race, Philip Andrew Hamilton and Cree Deeds. Cree Deeds is going to pummel Philip Andrew Hamilton. I think so. You've got Steve Harvey and Amy Lawfer running for House of Delegates. Lawfer's going to beat Steve Harvey considerably. Katrina Colson's running unopposed. The four seats on the Charlottesville City School Board, there's no opposition. The uh, three seats on Charlottesville City Council, there's no opposition. (coughs) The only opposition we have is Whitehall District Brad Rickle rhymes with pickle against Ann Malik. Rivanna District, TJ Fadeley versus B. Lapisto Kirtley. Should we say B. Gypsy Lapisto Curtly? No? Okay, I won't. 
Michael Pruitt is running unopposed in the Scottsville District. School Board, Berlin versus McDermott in the Whitehall District, Almore County. Obviously, Bryce versus um, Spillman in the at-large race. Which ones do you think will be the closest? There's a write-in candidate challenging Judy Lee in the Rivanna District. Any predictions? I honestly couldn't say, but I think that uh, <clears throat> I think that uh, Spillman and, and Bryce have certainly uh, garnered probably the most attention and may draw out the most uh, voters to you know to come and drop their uh, drop their votes and. I think that will be the uh, largest voter voter turnout. Yeah, I don't know how close it's going to be, though. Well, it has an unfair advantage for largest voter turnout because it's an at-large election across the county where the other ones are tied to one of six districts. Right. So, of course, more people would vote in the one that's across the county. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say the closest races, ladies and gentlemen, are, are going to be... Uh, and I'm not making a prediction. I'll save predictions for next week. Predict crystal ball predictions next week. Fatally and Lepisto Curtly and uh, Bryce and Spillman. I think maybe you'll see uh, Rickle, Malik in the third slot from proximity or, or, or tightness. Mm. Um, I, thought we did a, I thought we did a pretty decent job today, all things considering. Um, Saturday, UVA football, Georgia Tech at UVA, 2 p.m. kickoff Saturday. The Wahoos are a two-point favorite. The over-under at 56.5 points. UVA, if they win out, finishes 6-6, becomes bowl eligible. Let's see if that happens. I encourage you to follow all of our I Love Seville channels, please. And if you can also do me a favor, go to ilovesevillecom forward slash What is it? ilovesevil.com forward slash e-news. Yeah, ilovesevil.com forward slash e-news, E-N-E-W-S, e-news. And sign up for our newsletter. (coughs) Our newsletter is where we break our news first, and we're sending out e-newsletters three or four times a week. Um, And it's going to, I mean, just under 13,000 inboxes. ilovesevil.com forward slash e-news. We should get a lower third mention or made doesn't have to be for today's show, but one that you can put on screen as a call to action to get people to sign up for our e-news that are watching or listening to the show. Maybe we put that on the notebook for Monday, if you could, please. I love Seville.com forward slash e-news. All right, that's the Friday edition. Have a good weekend. Next week is election week. The day is Tuesday. Monday, we'll have all your coverage. And I'm working on um, a new talk show in addition to the Kyle Miller show, which airs Thursdays at... 2.15 p.m., in addition to the I Love Seville show, which airs Monday through Friday at 12.30 p.m., in addition to Real Talk, which airs Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 10.15 a.m. The reason Real Talk did not air today is because Keith and Jonas Smith are in Virginia Beach. And in addition to uh, Today e Manana, which airs Thursdays at 10.15 a.m., we're just trying to create um, the water cooler of Charlottesville with the I Love Seville network. Working hard. All right, guys. Have a good weekend. Take care.